I'm glad you got to know Wade last week, uh, the pastor of our Nolansville campus, and it will be starting later this spring. Uh, from uh, your feedback to me, uh, he'll never preach here again, but um, <laughs> we wish him all the best in, uh, in Nolansville. <laughs> now you see why we're so excited about that campus and, uh, and, and what's, what's going to be happening there. Uh, so, um, the Lord continues to work in a, in a lot of great ways through the Middle Tennessee Initiative. Have you ever heard the term woodshedding? Not woodshedding. That's different. Woodshedding. Okay, it's a musical term. Uh, and it happens when somebody shows up to play something and they're not really good at it yet. They don't know the piece of music. Uh, they haven't learned the lick yet. And then the next time the band gets together, the person who didn't know it well knows it really well and is playing it really, really good. And somebody says, ah, somebody been to the woodshed. Somebody been woodshedding. It's, uh, it's a term that goes all the way back to, to slavery. Uh, when the uh, slaves wanted to learn to play, if they were seen playing by uh, the, the slave master, they would be beaten or the musical instrument taken away from them. They'd be forced to do work. So they would hide in the woodshed. And they would learn to play the music in the woodshed, and then they would show up and play. So if you don't know the piece of music, you have to go woodshedding. Uh, you'll hear some of the older musicians talk about, you need to take that to the woodshed and come back. Okay, you need to go work on it. You don't get good on stage. You get good in the woodshed. Uh, Scott Cochran is the strength and, and conditioning coach at the University of Alabama. Uh, he is famous for his fourth quarter program. Uh, in an interview one time, they asked him what he does, and he says, Coach Saban brings me little boys, and I make them monsters. <laughs> okay? Uh, if you're an Alabama fan, this is the coach we're afraid of losing. Uh, it's Scott Cochran. Because they will tell you that the games are won long before the kickoff. They're won in conditioning. Uh, they're won in the team going through all they have to go through to get ready for the game. The game is won long before the kickoff. It's won in practice. Now, a lot of us have a call. We know we do. A lot of us are willing to be obedient to that call. But for some reason, we never have a chance, an opportunity, the doors never open for us to engage with that call. Have the calling, have the willingness, but we're never asked to do it. The door never opens. Why? Because you're not equipped. You're willing, but you're not ready. And that's what we find out in the story of Moses. We'll pick it up in chapter 4. Stand with me in honor of God's Word. We're picking up in the middle of the conversation between God and Moses. And Moses answered, What if they won't believe me and will not obey me, but, but say the Lord did not appear to you? And the Lord asked him, What is in your hand? A staff, he replied. 
throw it on the ground, he said. So Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. The Lord told Moses, stretch out your hand and grab it by the tail. So he stretched out his hand and caught it and it became a staff in his hand. This will take place, he continued, so that they will believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has appeared to you. In addition, the Lord said to him, put your hand inside your cloak. So he put his hand inside his cloak, and when he took it out, his hand was diseased, resembling snow. Put your hand back inside your cloak, he said. So Moses put his hand back inside his cloak, and when he took it out, it again had become like the rest of his skin. If they will not believe you, and you don't respond to the evidence of the first sign, they may believe the evidence of the second sign. And if they don't even believe these two signs, or listen to what you say, then take some water from the Nile and pour it on dry ground, and the water you take from the Nile will become blood on the ground. But Moses replied to the Lord, Please, Lord, I have never been eloquent, either in the past or recently, or since you've been speaking to your servant, because my mouth and my tongue are sluggish. And the Lord said to him, Who placed a mouth on humans? Who makes a person mute or deaf, seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will speak, I will help you speak, and I will teach you what to say. And Moses said, please, Lord, send somebody else. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses, and he said, isn't Aaron the Levite your brother? I know he can speak well. And also he's on his way now to meet you. He will rejoice when he sees you. You will speak with him and tell him what to say. And I will help both of you and help him to speak. And you will te and teach both of you what to do. And he will speak to the people for you. He will serve as a mouth for you and you will serve as God to him. And you take the staff in your hand. And you will perform the signs with. I will teach you what to say. I will teach you what to do. This is God's word for God's people. Hear it, believe it, and live. Let's pray together. Grant us discipline, and we will prepare ourselves for the moment you call on us. Grant us faith for knowing that there is such a moment coming. And when it does, Lord, grant us courage that you will not hesitate to use us in the moment you've prepared for us. And we pray this in your name. Amen. So we're in the middle of an interesting conversation. Let's remember how we got here. Uh, the children of Israel are in Egypt. Joseph and his family have moved there to the land of Goshen. Uh, Joseph dies. Pharaoh comes up who doesn't remember Joseph to remember the story. And so he places the Hebrew children in slavery. And as it, that doesn't work, the Hebrew children continue to thrive. Then he orders that every male child uh, who is born to a Hebrew mother be killed. Uh, Moses is born to a mother who is of the Levite tribe. His father is a Levite. They do not kill him. Uh, they raise him and then they slide him in a basket under the nose of Pharaoh's daughter who adopts him, falls in love with him when she sees the little boy, falls in love with him, adopts him and agrees to take him home and, and raise him. 
Uh, Moses' mother raises him until he is uh, a certain age. Then he re- goes and lives as Pharaoh's son, as Pharaoh's daughter's son in the court of Pharaoh. He becomes a man. He's walking in the Hebrew village and he sees an Egyptian slave taskmaster beating a Hebrew slave. Moses attacks the slave, uh, attacks the slave master. And, and saves the slave, kills the Egyptian. It becomes known. Moses runs and hides in the wilderness. In the desert, he comes up on some bully shepherds who are running some, some women off with their sheep from a watering hole. He runs the bullies off, saves the women, and meets his father-in-law in that moment. And he is married to one of his father-in-law's daughters. And now he's been keeping sheep for some time. And now he sees a bush that doesn't burn up. The bush is on fire. Moses watches it waiting for the bush to crumble and for the fire to eventually go out, just burn itself out. But it doesn't. The fire keeps on burning and the bush is not consumed. So he steps over to look at the bush and finds himself in the presence of the God of Abraham, the God of Jacob, and the God of Isaac. Take off your shoes, he tells Moses. You're on holy ground. And the conversation begins. In the middle of the conversation, Moses finds out that God has a plan to save the Hebrew children out of Egypt. Yay! Moses finds out he's the plan. No! I want you to go, just leave me out of it. So finally, Moses begins to push back. What if they don't believe me? What if I go to Egypt and what if I tell them, listen, God has talked to me. Okay, come on, just you and me. We're friends. Let's be honest with each other. Somebody walks into you to your office tomorrow or sees you at school or sees you walking your dog and walks up to you and says, Hey, God talked to me. Your wacko meter goes off, doesn't it? (laughs) Come on, just you and me now. We are now. Your wacko meter goes off. You take a little step back. Okay, you get ready. What in the world's going on? Okay, Moses shows up. People have been in slavery for a couple of hundred years. They're not going to get out of slavery. There's no hope getting out of slavery. They have been praying and praying and praying and praying. Nothing has happened. And Moses shows up and says, God talked to me and we're here to set you free. Right. Moses says, I'm going to need a little more than that. And God says, what's in your hand? A staff, a stick. It's a staff that I push the sheep with. It's a staff that I beat the predators off with. It's a staff I lean on when I'm tired. It's a staff I walk with. It's a staff. It's a stick. You know, we always look for Jesus to use something we don't have. We're always thinking that if I do something for Jesus, He's going to bring something to my life I don't have. Never realizing or understanding that the first place He'll start with is something you already have. We're always generous with other people's money, aren't we? Right? If I had a million dollars, I can't tell you how many millions of dollars I have given to Jesus over the years. Right? If I had a million dollars, Jesus, I would give it to you. I don't have a million dollars. That's never going to be a pressure point for me. But the 20 I have folded up in my pocket, what about that? What's in your hand? What do you have right in front of you? Throw it down. Give it to me. So he throws it down and it becomes a snake. 
and Moses ran. And if it had been Mike, it would have been Mike kept on running. <laughs> and the Hebrew children would still be in Egypt waiting for me to go back and pick up that snake. <laughs> now here's the interesting thing. All of the plagues in, 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 when Moses is in Egypt are directly against the gods of Pharaoh. God attacks things that Pharaoh worships. Do you know what kind of snake the Egyptians venerated? A cobra. More than likely, the snake that was curling up in front of Moses was a cobra. Not only just a snake, the snake. Okay? Pharaohs, when Pharaohs dressed, they wore the hat, the crown, that looked like a cobra. Cobras at the front, fanning of the neck. Now, I don't handle snakes. Not judging people who do, but I don't. Okay? But I do watch the Nature Channel. And I know you don't grab a snake by the tail. You get that little snake handling stick, you press it down, you grab the snake behind the head so the snake can't turn and bite you. Not only does God say pick the snake up, He says pick it up by the tail. Expose yourself to the twisting head and to the fangs that will get you. And the Hebrew language in here shows how tentative Moses was. When you read it in English, it looked like he reached over and got it. No, he didn't. It was a couple of stops and fakes and getting close, bringing it back. And then he finally grabbed it by the tail. And as soon as he did, it turned into the serpent. It turned into the, uh, the staff again. Now, again, if that had been me, I'd have never left the mountain. Watch this. This is cool, guys. <laughs> this is it. Y'all got to see this. I know y'all want more. I'm just so easily entertained. That would have been it. that doesn't work, God says, then stick your hand inside your coat again. Nothing fancy, just your own hand. Stick it in there. And there it is. It's covered with leprosy. The one disease they couldn't cure, that would have broken an awful community, that would have scared everybody in the room to death, put it back, and the hand is healed. Moses skirts on the line between life and death. That's where God puts him. And Moses is afraid. They won't believe me. They won't listen. Don't make me do this. You know I can't speak in public. And not even being here with you, he says, has helped me speak better. And God gets angry. Moses has pushed him about as far. Has you ever had that moment when your parents get tired of talking to you? You know, well, what about this, mama? What about this, mama? And finally, your mom or your dad will turn around and say, because I said so. Then you know discussion's over. This is the moment where God turns to Moses and says, go because I said so and take the stick with you. Aaron's coming. I know Aaron can speak. You'll talk to Aaron. Aaron will talk to the people. They'll think he's a prophet. They'll think you're God. I'll teach you what to say. 
but you better go and you better go now. And Moses is on his way. Moses is afraid. Why is he afraid? He doesn't know God. Now, hear me. Mom and dad taught him who God was. He understood that. He had heard people talk. He probably believed in God, probably knew there was a God. But a lot of us make the same mistake Moses made. We confuse introduction with intimacy. Okay? And Nashville is the worst place in the world for it. Okay? Somebody will ask you if you know somebody, and they'll name a famous country singer. And you'll say, yeah, I know him. And when we push you to tell us how you know him, you'll tell us you met him in a meet and greet. Hi, how are you? Picture, move on. You don't know him. You met him. But you don't know him. Some of you confuse introductions with intimacy. You have met Jesus, but you don't know him. God had met, Moses had met God but didn't know him. Moses didn't know himself. When you read history, even secular history, Moses is recognized as one of the most influential figures in all of history. He was a priest. He was a general. He led his people in battle. He was a king. He organized the nation. Uh, The laws that he brought down from the mountain, the Ten Commandments, are the basis for all of Western legal theory since. Moses didn't know he had that kind of talent. Moses didn't know he had that kind of ability. One of the reasons that we're so insistent on place here uh, for you to take that kind of spiritual workshop so you understand yourself, understand what you're gifted for, understand how you're wired and put together. Moses had never done the soul work to understand who he was. And in his mind, Pharaoh was still bigger. Oh, I've seen Pharaoh. I've seen his armies. I've seen his chariots. I've seen his horses. And I'm going to stand in front of him with no army? Exactly right, Moses. Because the God who's calling you from this bush is bigger than Pharaoh. And when God sends you, it's the majority. Okay? Have you heard that, seen that bumper sticker? You know? God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Uh Uh-uh. God said it, that settles it. It would be nice for you to agree, but it's not necessary. So go tell Pharaoh what I told him. I'm sending you. I have now equipped you. Go do what I told you to do. Some of you have that call, don't you? 
You know, as I was writing this message this week, I, I, I really got the sense that I'm really talking, and I wish the Lord would give me your name. Because I let everybody else go home early, and, and you and I would just sit and talk till we got this thing worked out. Now somebody's looking around going, who's making a stay? I don't know. He's just... You have a call, and you know it. Now, the, may, the call may be to some kind of, of, of full-time professional ministry. It may be to the parking lot. It may be to the preschool ministry. It may be to the music. I don't know. But you know. You know what you would do if you ever had the chance to do that ministry. You know what it looks like. You know what it feels like. But you never get the chance. The doors never open. And it's because you haven't disciplined yourself to study the Word. Paul told Timothy, study to show yourself approved, a workman that doesn't need to be ashamed, who can rightly handle the Word of truth. You haven't disciplined yourself with the Word. So that when you get into the ministry and start doing it, you're going to be put in a situation where you should know how to respond and you won't. God will not trust you in that moment until you're ready. There are certain skills you have to learn. Just because you have the calling doesn't mean you're ready to exercise that calling. There are skills that are part of it. But you won't discipline yourself to do it. You won't humble yourself under a teacher. You know how Joseph Walker and I met? Bishop Walker and I met? I started watching him on social media. He's a social media ninja. I'm telling you, the, the man is serious. He's out of sight on this stuff. So I called him. I said, I want to meet with you, and I want you to teach me about social media. That's how we met. You do this better than I do. Teach me how to do this. He's amazing. And you won't humble yourself under a teacher. And you won't be ready. Put on the full armor of God. Helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, belt of truth, shoes of the peace of God, shield of faith, sword of the Spirit. So on that day, you will be able to stand. So on that day, you will be able to stand. I know we talk a lot about how you can trust God, but that's not the question this morning. The question this morning is can God trust us? Is there a moment, is there a situation that God created you for and the moment happens and he looks at you and knows you aren't ready. 
you know somebody in slavery. You know who they are. There's somebody you know crying out. And the Lord will answer that prayer. The Lord will set them free just as soon as you and I get ready. Let's pray together. Why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes. I'm not going to do anything to put you on the spot or embarrass you. You know I don't do that. But listen, we, we need to talk about this. The thing I love about this church is how many talented and gifted, passionate people they are who make this church up, who are part of this. And what you can do in those moments when you surrender your life and let God do in your life what he created to do in you and through you. Now, for all of us, there's a next step right now. For some of you, it's the next step of finding a group. Now, we have groups for all kinds of people. We got groups for newlyweds. We got groups for senior adults. We got groups for parents of preschoolers, parents of, of adolescents. We got all kinds of groups. But we also have groups that are going deep, going serious with Scripture to prepare you for the mission, to prepare you for the ministry. Go out to our discipleship uh, table out there. You'll see them in the atrium and say, listen, I'm looking for this kind of group that Mike was talking about. Prepare yourself. For others of you, it's as simple as becoming part of this church fellowship, to get serious with the mission and ministry that God's calling you to do. But for some of you, this is the very first step. You had no idea that there was something in your life, there was a call in your life, there was something for you to do, that there was a, a life of purpose and hope, and uh, making a difference in the world. You didn't even know that was possible. And now you're hearing about it. And I'm saying a whole lot, just a handful of words. And that's why our, our ministers, our, our friends are at a table that says next steps. Just go and say, listen, I want to know more about what Mike was talking about. I want to know more about a relationship with Jesus Christ. Don't leave with that question unanswered. I beg you. The Lord is waiting for you where you are. The church will wait for you as you come. Lord Jesus, every life is now open before you, every heart. So we pray now the choices we make are exactly what you want.